Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. I always have this conversation with my mum, to be honest, and I've still got two years after this season at Stoke. You know, everyone forgets I'm still on loan at Stoke, you know, and um, Trabs and Sport's been good for me. But if I'm honest with myself, mm-hmm. I think I want to come back to England. It's disgusting, man, to know that you was with someone, you know, she was everything, and then all of a sudden she's gone. You know what I mean? There's been times, I remember I missed the penalty against West Brom for Stoke. And I said to myself, don't look on your Instagram. I think I had Twitter at the time as well. I said, don't look at your Twitter. Don't look at your Twitter. I'm going to look. <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember training with some of these players and I always say, when they ask me about, oh, how was it training with the first team? Who was the best player? I always say Cesc Fabregas. Because this guy, oh my days. But as soon as I turned 17, the first thing I said to my mum, it wasn't even, oh, let's buy a house or a car. It was, mum, how do we get this orphanage going? Dad, how do we get this orphanage going? So I've signed the contract. And then a couple of days later, I'm getting a message saying, oh, you know what? I think Nuno wants um, to sell you. And I was like, what? I just what? signed you. Like, you got the right player or not? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the beautiful game podcast as ever i'm your host budge joined by my faithful two co-conspirators dot and dead gents how are we doing i'm good i'm good budge i don't think you're gonna get away with it because it's your birthday today (laughs) (laughs) love Love, man appreciate it man appreciate it how about you dead how you doing bro yeah i'm good this is a guest that we've been trying to get on for a long long time so I'm happy that we finally delivered and we get to hear from the man himself. So I'm blessed, bro. Of course. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Of course, Dej alluded to it there. We are again joined by a very special guest. We're in good, good company. 
Uh, Arsenal fans will remember him as a product of the famed Hale End Academy. He's an Arsenal man through and through like myself. So I've got love for him. I've, I've watched him come up through the, through the youth ranks. Um, of course, he being a striker has bagged everywhere he's gone. He's been a real hit man. And you know what? Funnily enough, you're probably more likely to see pigs fly than to see him wear a pair of black boots. He wears <laughs> black, pink, blue, orange, white. The you colors know. of the rainbow. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Benny Kafobi to the platform. Welcome. Welcome, 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 bro. Welcome. Thanks for having me on, guys. No, it's a pleasure, Thank you bro. very much, Benny. Man, obviously, we know you're a busy guy. Just off air, you was talking there about the fact that you're getting ready for a game tomorrow. So mm-hmm. that you're you're taking a time out to chat to us. We honestly we appreciate it. Um, of course, we know that you're you're out in in Turkey at the moment. Yeah. I, I guess what where we wanted to start off and kick things off is like what's what's life like, man, out in Turkey. Um, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me on. You know, I've obviously watched a few other guys go on before and um, some interesting talks and to hear how people get on with their lives. You know, so that's always been good. But um. Out here in Turkey, it's different, man. It's different. It's good experience, though, because I've always said I want to play abroad, you know, since I was a young kid. <clears throat> Back in ends and stuff, I always said, you know, I want to have that one or two years abroad. So it's a good experience. And at the age of 27, I thought it was the right time. But it's different in a sense, being African, you know. Come on. Come going on. to Congo, <laughs> it's yeah, a bit yeah. more like Africa than Europe, yeah. even though it's in Europe, if that makes any sense. Okay. 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 Interesting, because we've seen a lot of players recently come to Turkey. Bright say Samuel, he's gone mm. to Fenerbahce. Danny Rose is being linked with Trabs on Spore. So mm. what is it about Turkey that you think more and more players are gravitating towards it? Do you know what, yeah? When I spoke to Jonobi Mikel, because he signed for Stoke just before I came out here, and he was saying the fact that this Turkish league, yeah, the level's quite good. People think, oh, you're going there because it's easy or it's like a retirement sort of thing or the money's big. Mm. The level's really good. You saw Bashikshir um, Istanbul the other day, well, a few months ago now. They beat Man United, didn't they? Yeah. We played them on Wednesday in the Super Cup final and we beat them. So it just goes to show, because I think they're 12th this season in the league. So they've been like competing in the Champions League against Champions League teams. But back here, they're 12th, they're 13th. They've been getting beat left, right, centre. They lost 5-1 today. You know, so it just goes to show the quality of the teams here and um, obviously, there's a lot of teams that play in Europa League that play in the Turkish League as well and the Champions League, as I just said. So the quality is good. And everyone always asks me, where does it rank between mm-hmm. Premier League and Championship? I, mm-hmm. I know you probably would have asked me that as well, but <laughs> I'd say it's in between the bottom half of the Prem mm-hmm. and the top six of the Championship. Yeah, that's, that's challenging. So it's still good standard. Mm-hmm. Most teams are that level, I think. And would you say you've had to learn more about yourself since moving abroad? Like, has it challenged you in a different way than living in England? Yeah, of course. You know, being in, in your comfort zone is always going to be easier. You know, I'm not saying, you know, when I was playing at Huddersfield, I was in my comfort zone, but it's more <laughs> my comfort zone than being in Trabzon where there's no nice restaurants. There's no, like, you know, um, Uber Eats, for example, mm-hmm. like cinema. None of that is here, man. It's straight village. <laughs> it's, wow. it's village living and it's a good experience. It's different. And I've got the missus and kids here, so it's not too bad. And with the lockdown, everyone's at home basically anyway, all over the world. So you could be in the nicest place in the world, but you're not doing much anyway. So I feel like being out here is actually 
been better for me during the lockdown because the lockdown here isn't as strict as in England. So I'm probably better off than a lot of you guys back home. Mm. Do you know what, Benik? I wanted to ask you, you know, in situations like this, like Dej mentioned it earlier, where we're seeing more often now uh, players going out to play in Turkey. Mm. And you've got your family there, you've got your, your, your missus and the kids. But do, do you, like, as players that come from another league, like, do, do you guys kind of form somewhat of a mm. group, like, as a support network? Because not everyone who's gone out there, for example, has family out there, right? Mm. Not every player has kids, has a, has a missus and whatnot. So although you might be playing for different clubs, because there's a familiarity that you guys are all British, you're all coming from the Premier League or coming from, from, from England, do you guys have, like regular, I don't know, meetups or or WhatsApp group or, or something just to as like a support network for, for, for the for the majority of you, if that makes sense. Yeah, that happens a lot, even for um foreigners that come to England, you know, like so there's a lot of French speaking players in England that someone might come from Cameroon, the other guy might come from France and they start to mingle and they become close like that. And it's the same for us coming here. We're the foreigners now. And obviously the Turkish boys are there, you know, that's like the core and then there's the guys flowing around like there's a Portuguese, Argentinian, Brazilian group over there. There's me, mm. Lewis Baker, you know, mm. a few like Ekuban who plays for Ghana now. There's a few of us that click together. But you know what? Yeah, to be honest, the translation team here, you know, the player liaison and that, they've been top notch from day one. From day one, you know, anything that you want, the car, the house. Oh, my, my son was born in October in England, but... They got a private jet for them to come here. You know, wow. passports being done within two weeks instead of three months. All this stuff. So, wow. like, you know what? They've looked after us, like, foreigners. Yeah. Like, mm. top notch. I couldn't say anything about it. So, like, fair play to them, you know, because it must be difficult for people like me who've never been outside of England. And all of a sudden, mm. you find yourself, bang, like, you're in this city. It's not Istanbul. It's not... You know, it's not Paris, it's Trabzon. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Some of you don't even know where Trabzon is. <laughs> so, like, yeah. It's it's very different, but at the same time, it's a good experience and I'm enjoying it, man. Oh, that's dope, bro. Four goals in nine starts. As you mentioned, you just won a trophy as well. So, like, your loan expires at the end of the season. By the mm -hmm. sounds of it, you look like you're enjoying it. So is that something you will probably extend? To be honest, only God knows the future, man. I always have this conversation with my mum, to be honest, and I've still got two years after this season at Stoke. You know, everyone forgets I'm still on loan at Stoke, you know, and um, Trabs and Sport has been good for me. But if I'm honest with myself, I think I want to come back to England. You know, about four months is a long time in a footballer's mm. career, so anything mm. can happen. You know, we changed like the weather. One day I'm like, oh, mum, you know what? I miss England. <laughs> but I'm on the phone and the other day I'm like you know what I'm comfy I'm comfy yeah. so like mm. to be honest man we're like kids we're like kids and that's me being like honest with you guys and when you're scoring goals or you're playing or you're doing well or training's gone well you know you can say to me do this and I'll be like yeah okay but when things are not going yeah. great mm. you know we're grumpy we've always had things our own way so like mm. footballers are spoiled man so <laughs> yeah. I'm just taking it month by month you know I'm just trying to give myself the best chance to train well because a lot of people forgot, you're probably going to ask me, we're going to move on to it um, a bit later, but about my injuries, you know. Yeah. I've only been back yeah, for, yeah, yeah. I'd say, six months now. And when you do an ACL, it takes ages. Uh, I, I saw Yannick Balassi's one. Mm. 
Yeah. When he was talking mm. about people expecting him to be back on it straight away. You know, he was saying about Van Dyke and that. I've done that injury twice. <laughs> you know, I've done it with my left when I was 21 and when I was at Bristol, my right knee. So, like, mm. it's not easy, man. It's not easy. People just expect you to be bang on it straight away. But yeah. them kind of injuries take, they say, 18 months to two years to get to any sort of level. So, yeah. Benick, how was the care in your comeback to injury? Because we spoke to Yannick and he was like, Everton it was a bit generic. It wasn't a tailored program towards him. So, how would you say your care was during the ACL injury? Um, you know what? The first time I did it, I'll take you back to when I was twenty-one. Seems like time ago now, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're making us feel old as well, you know. <laughs> oh, seriously, man, the years go too quick, man. Mm. You know, uh, I remember when the the older players, the senior players, used to be like. Hey man, you're 21. I can't believe it. You're so young. Well, when you get to 28, man, I was thinking, nah, but what's this guy talking about? But that's years away. <laughs> I was thinking, I ain't worrying about that. But goes like that. Years yeah. Creep up on you. <laughs> but yeah, um, when I did my ACL the first time, I was 21. And um, I was at... No, sorry. Tell a lie. I was 19. Wait, how old was I? I was 19. Sorry, I was 19. And I was on loan at Mill with Kenny Jacket. And I was on loan, so I did my rehab back at Arsenal. And Arsenal had three ACLs in a row. Emmanuel Frimpong did it the year before. Conor Henderson did it the year before that in the youth. And I think someone like Fran Marida. So three players had done it. So, like, I was the fourth one. So I had the best care because they'd seen what they did right and wrong with their ones. Okay. And then they did everything right for mine. So I came back pretty strong, man. I came back well. Obviously, it took time to get back to any sort of level. But um, Arsenal took good care of me, man. And I came back and I've touched wood, never had any problems with that knee. And then um, the second one was when I was at Bristol, which was last season, beginning of last season. Mm. And I know we're going to talk about my, my career and how it's been going and stuff like that. But I'll fast forward it to the injury bit. And um, that was tough for me, man. Double tough, obviously. Um, you will know about my daughter passing, which was, you know, I wouldn't wish anything like that on anyone. Mm -hmm. So I started, I started the season well at Bristol City, scored three and five. I was enjoying my football again, you know, linking up with Casey yeah. Palmer, my Come boy. Then, baller, proper baller. <laughs> he's a baller, he's a baller. And then um, done my ACL in training. And then luckily, Colin Lewin, who was the physio at Arsenal back then, he opened up his own clinic in Essex, where I'm from. So, because I was injured and then my daughter passed, I didn't want to be doing my rehab at, back at Stoke because I was on loan from Stoke. And I was meant to be doing my rehab at Stoke. But I spoke to Stoke and said, listen, I want to go home. I want to be near my family. It's obviously a traumatic time for us. Mm. And thankfully, um, Colin took me in. So I worked one-on-one -on -one with Colin for six months. You know, so the, the guy who did my first ACL, He'd only opened a month before, you know. So, like, what about that for timing? It was a massive yeah, coincidence. Wow, it was yeah. I don't wow. know, but God, God's plan. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I worked six months every single day with him, man. He knew my body. He knew what I like to do, what I don't like to do, how to push me, how to keep me motivated, and at the same time, I could cry on his shoulders, man, because I could, I knew who he was. And I, was, mm. I remember those days when I remember this time last year. I remember um, was training at Leighton Orient's training ground. And I remember one of my boys, one of my best friends, Samuel DeLucy, he um, came to watch me do my rehab. You know, I was running, 
this time last year, I started to run a straight line running. And I remember turning and getting on the line and I just started thinking about my daughter. And I was crying, but I didn't want, I didn't want Colin to see me. And my boy was like, remember this, just remember this day. He said, lay it all out. He said, he remembered it because I didn't stop. I ended up beating my time, you know, with the speed timing and stuff like that. But it was on the day that I wanted to quit because I was thinking about my daughter because it was still fresh. It was still only two months. It was two months. Um, yeah, it was two months when she passed mm. and stuff. So mm. it was crazy. You know, people say to me, how do you, how do, you do it? I don't know how I do it. <laughs> Obviously, I pray to God to give me strength, my family's mm-hmm. strength, having good people around you. To be fair, the teams I've played for, my teammates and stuff, have all been very, very good help. And I've had, I've had massive love, you know, but like, it's disgusting, man, to know that you was with someone, you know, she was like everything. And then all of a sudden she's gone. You know what I mean? Got to continue. Life's got to continue. I've got another one. Mrs. Fell pregnant with another one, <laughs> you know, and I can't be selfish. And I've mm-hmm. got, I've got to get my knee right because I've got two kids who are counting on me. So if daddy's crying over the one that's passed away, what are we going to be? Do you know what I mean? So like, it's a difficult one. Mad right? pressure. It's mad pressure, but at the same time, when this, when this is all happening, I'm thinking, remember this. Remember your ACL. You don't want to be working today, but listen, that's why sometimes, you know, when fans get onto you or like, ah, oh, he's not, you need to understand some people are going through things that, you know, it's not always the mental health problem, but they're going through personal things that could yeah. be maybe distracting them or they mm. can't give their 100%, but they don't see that stuff. You know what I mean? Because mm. at the end of the day, footballers are just humans, just like all of us, you know? Yeah, so like, Benny, how do you process that? Because I remember the day Sky Sports News broke it, then I think the whole of football sort of rallied mm. round you. Obviously, it's not just something that goes away. This is a continuing process. So what sort of things do you do to try and like manage your mental health or try and be that man of the family? Pray. <laughs> Straight pray. You know, I'm a big believer in God. And um, as I said before, getting the right people around you, first and foremost, you know, you're, whether that's your partner, family, close friends, reading. It could be whatever it is for you, but mm. you have to find what, is the thing that keeps you going. I was lucky I had a daughter who was still alive at the time and she was the pride for me at the time, you know, because she was only one. Um, my daughter that was alive, Alba, and mm-hmm. her older sister just passed away, but she's one, she ain't got a clue. Mm-hmm. So if daddy's moping around, mummy's moping around, grandparents are moping around, you know, auntie, <coughs> uncles are all like all crying and look, she'll be thinking, wow, this, this world's negative. Do you know yeah. what I mean? She's only one. Mm-hmm. So, we had to sort of blag it a little bit when I was in front of her because I don't want my one-year-old seeing daddy crying all the time, mummy crying all the time. So that was my number one motivation. And then, as I said, my missus fell pregnant uh, pretty quickly, you know, this time last year, she fell pregnant with my son now, who's three months old, praise God. But um, so that was it. And I was injured at the time. So I just knew, listen, if I start moping around, I'm 27 years of age. If I start moping around, making people feel sorry for me and feeling sorry for myself, this knee ain't going to get any better. Mm-hmm. So as much as you want to cry, 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 run. You can cry, but make sure you're running. You can cry, but make sure you're doing your strength work. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm lucky enough that, I'm blessed enough that mentally I'm quite strong when it comes to stuff like that. Because I know a lot of people, you know, people say to me, oh, I don't know how you did it. As I said to you, uh, I wouldn't be able to do it. But somehow you get some sort of strength when you know it's not just about yourself, that you didn't think you had. You know, so if this happened to me, if, I, if someone told me three years ago this will happen to me, I'll be like, nah, nah, nah I'm going to pack for a win. That's, that's me. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? I'm not going to have another child. I'm not gonna, and I got injured as well. Nah, 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 nah. 
you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, this manager's not playing me. Ah, oh, no, 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 that'll be, that'll be me done. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, you know, you start thinking that, but you, you're stronger than you actually think. When you put your yeah. mind to something, have good people around you and mm-hmm. genuinely believe like you're going to, you know, like yeah. pass this, this like tough time. Mm, I even saw some stats like online. I think you were one of the fastest in like the whole of England. So I think you were like third or fourth kind of yeah, thing. Like explain to us what, yeah. Like, <laughs> how did that happen? Cause you were freshly off surgery, freshly off getting back to full fitness. So how did that happen? That's a miracle basically. Yeah, no, I was working. I think the wind was with me that day, to be fair. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was working well with Colin, man. Colin's a good guy. You know, Colin Lewin's worked with England, Arsenal for many years. And little by little, we were just getting better and better. There'll be days when my knee will be aching. I'll be like, Colin, why is it hurting today? Everything was just Colin's fault. Colin, why this? Why that? Nah, Colin. But eventually, you know, listening to the right people, I just got stronger and stronger and I actually came back and got better times than I did before I got injured, you know? So sometimes these injuries gives you time to work on little things that you probably neglected because you thought, ah, I'm fine. Or you were playing so many games, you're not working on some sort mm. of strength, other strengths that you could be working on. So I think it was just a bit of both, you know, a bit of determination, a bit of um, good training. You know what, Benik, I want to ask you a question that is, a bit of a, a, a random one, and, and it's one that I've I've never asked before, but I'm I'm really interested to find out, right? So, of course, just then we were talking about that that very traumatic experience and the fact that you were going through injury and rehab and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So you you spoke about the fact that you know you're doing this not just for yourself, it's for your family, your missus, and your children and whatnot. And of course, like I I remember like um, reading. Um, Lois's basically her uh, account of, of how everything sort of transpired and whatnot. And honestly, I, I was like speaking to my missus about it and whatnot. And it was just really, really powerful, really, really motivational. And we actually did our own research and then decided to donate to a charity to, to Nest. Thank after, you, man. After hearing your story. I love for that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah? F- thank you for inspiring me, honestly. Um, but I guess what I wanted to know is, what what did that whole experience and that period of time do for your relationship between you and your missus? Because in my mind, I think two people going through something like that, it must, although you're, you know, you've been together for some time, you've had children together, but an experience like that must bring you even closer together, if that makes sense. Like it must do something different do you, in, in terms of the relationship. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And um, you know what? Yeah, you say that and you'd think that, but sometimes um, it's make or break. You know, mm. I've, I've, I've seen um, articles online um, when, when a couple lose their child, I yeah. think there is something like over 50% divorce eventually. Wow. Okay. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I've done the approach that you just mentioned. We've got closer. And we've had, a, you know, whatever, like some days you're stronger than me, yeah. some days I'm stronger than you. But overall, it's brought us together. You know, sometimes I'm at home and I'm just thinking, ah, oh, she's so strong to end up getting pregnant again. You know, going yeah. to these scans. Don't forget, um, I, I know um, even Starry just talking about uh, when he's, he was going for scans and he couldn't even go into the room because of yeah. lockdown. Yeah. My missus yeah. was the same. My missus was the same. So bear in mind, she's lost a child and she's going for scans and she's seen the baby on the, you know, sonographer showing her the baby. And she's in her head, she's thinking, ah, oh, I remember when I was going for Amora and I'm not even there. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I'm coming, when she's coming out and she's crying, I want to squeeze her even more. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm. And because we've lost a child, she's scared as well. Like, oh, is this kid's being a heartbeat all right? Is it, you know, all mm. this stuff. So like, it gave, it gave me more love for her, for sure. You know, I respect mm. her as well to carry another baby yeah. a year after that and to give birth and to be that strong. You know what I mean? You've got to be some sort of woman. Do you know what I'm saying? But like, as I said, we have people that carry us. We carry each other. Some days someone's stronger than the other. There's no competition, you know, but for sure it's made us stronger and I found some a new sort of love for her, for sure. No, big up yourself, bro. Thank you, you man. Benick, what role does the club play during these, you know, times of hardship? Because us as fans, mm. the training ground, football match, press conference <laughs> about tactics, repeat. So behind the scenes, what do the mm. club do to help you? You know what? It depends what kind of person you are. Mm. You know, whether some people were like, listen, I need two weeks off. If this, like, these are rare situations, you know, not, mm. um, not many footballers lose their child while they're playing. Um, but when stuff like this happens, family problems, you know, obviously I'll be open to say this. Jordan, I, uh, one of my close friends, has said he's going through mental health problems and stuff. And I know that Derby have been great with him, you know, giving him some time off, you know, understanding what he needs, what he doesn't need. Does he need to be spoken to? Does he want to help with a psychologist? So, you know what? I think modern day clubs, modern day footballers, sorry, are getting more treatment and help from clubs than a few years ago. You know, like probably a decade ago, it'd be like, oh, man up or listen, we're human. Footballers are humans and they need to be, fully functioning properly to get the best out of them, whether that's on and off the uh, field. So like, I think um, with my own experience, the clubs were great with me. You know, Bristol were great with me because I was at Bristol at the time. Stoke, parent club, they were they were brilliant with me as well. So um, I can only say thank you to them, really. Yeah, you mentioned Jordan Ipe. He's someone that's been on the podcast and spoke a bit about the issues that he's faced. And I wanted to talk about online abuse, social media mm. abuse. We've seen it this week come up quite a lot. Axel mm. Twenzebi, who's a fellow countryman of yours, um, Romain Sawyers from West Brom. How do you manage this as someone being in the main media spotlight? How do you manage those trolls inboxing you, pictures of gorillas, monkeys, stuff like that? How do you do it? Do you know what? To be honest, yeah, I've been through too much in my life from a kid, yeah, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me, mm. you know? Like, it's an old saying, whatever, but, like, whatever these people say, they're the same people, the same person that will hammer you online, absolutely batter you, get so many retweets. They'll see yeah. you in Nando's, and they'll be crying, <laughs> faking. It's We had Michael Richards on the podcast, and he was saying, look, I'm made of stern stuff, I'm strong, but eventually mm -hmm. these words get to you. Your human being eventually do they break you? Yeah, everyone's different, and I, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and lie. I've been at home sometimes. I've messaged my boys or my missus or my mum and dad. I'm like, oh, like, look what these lot saying. How can they say that? Oh, man, you know what? You start thinking about it. But when it's all said and done, it don't really mean anything. Do you know what I mean? What matters is what your family think, what your coach thinks, and your teammates think, and what mm -hmm. you think about yourself. That's what I think. To be honest, it doesn't mean you don't want to be loved by fans because everyone's human and everyone wants to be liked and I think that's what my problem has been over the years you know what I mean because I'm a genuine nice person mm. when something went wrong I'll be like what like I'm a nice person do you know what I mean so yeah. I've, I've had to train myself to kind of 
not worry or care about what people think. Do you know what I mean? But like um, Richard is right. You know, eventually if someone keeps saying something, you'll be thinking, you might even start believing it. But then at the same time, as I've seen Daniel Sturridge saying as well, you can't, that's a distraction. If you want to be great in something, you can't be putting your happiness in what someone else is saying, whether it's good or bad. You know, you can't be like up and down. So if someone's saying good stuff, you know, you said about the social media abuse. Yeah, okay. But then sometimes you get loving. And if you start believing the hype, you stop working hard. If you start, if you start believing the negative stuff, you might not work hard, you know? Mm. So you, you're never going to win. <laughs> so yeah. all you got to do is just try and remember how you got there and the people that actually matter in your life, what they think. Do you know what, Benik? I wanted to ask you, after a game, do you, can you, can you like forecast and tell the kind of sentiment that you're going to get on social media so like for example obviously if you if you score a hat trick and get a match and get a match ball you know on on Twitter like, on that social straight away like, like, you're yeah? trending like, trending you get something <laughs> but in, in an opposite sense when like do, can you can you kind of get a feeling when, like, when you miss the penalty yeah yeah, but yeah. <laughs> like, can you tell like okay I'm gonna get I'm gonna get slammed on socials today can you can you can you always um you know what, yeah there's been times I remember I missed the penalty against West Brom for Stoke and I said to myself don't look on your Instagram I think I had Twitter at the time as well I said don't look at your Twitter don't look at your Twitter I'm gonna look. <laughs> it's always it's like this. You know what? Yeah. It's like an angel there, and there's a demon. There's a devil there. <laughs> this one's saying, "Don't look. It's negative. You don't need. You need positivity in your life." You know the angel yeah, saying all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a devil there saying, "Go on, go on." Just look, <laughs> what they're saying. Go on. And you're thinking to yourself, "You know, it's, you're gonna get hammered. You're gonna get yeah. bad. You know, you've had a stinker. Yeah. You've lost yeah. the game. Don't look." But there, you know, my eyes there, just looking. Oh come on, man! <laughs> yeah, but I've grown. I've grown up from that stuff now, man. So I don't really look anymore. But before, it'd be it would ruin my week. It'd ruin my week. I'm talking like I'm, I don't even want to do anything because people are saying stuff about me on social media. So now I've got to I've got to position now is if I genuinely gave a hundred percent, you know, you know, like I feel to myself I done everything I could, you know, left no stones unturned on the pitch. I thought, you know what? <laughs> It just wasn't my day today. Yeah. Then I don't really care, man. Mm. You know, and the managers see that as well. You know, sometimes as fans, you see players get picked. You think, oh, why, is, why is he getting played? But he's dead. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. They give 100%. And that's yeah. what managers want, really, don't they? They want your players mm. to give 100%. You know, I'm, I'm too old now to be worrying about mm. what people think. I've been through hell and back, you know, mm. personally. Yeah. So, like... Everything that I've been through, I don't think something that someone says on social media is going to hurt me as much as I've been hurt in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a soft story. It's of not course, like, of course. oh, I feel sorry for me here. I'm just saying I've been through way worse then, than yeah. someone just calling me crap Yeah. a few times. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm a bit different in that situation. I'm, you know, like my injuries, you know, like moving up and down the country from the age of 17, Mate, I've been everywhere, man. You give me a city, I'll tell you where it is. <laughs> yeah, so talking about being up and down, obviously you started out at Arsenal, signed your mm. pro contract. When is the right time to flee the nest? Because you see a lot of youngsters stay at Arsenal and think, you know what, I'm going to sit on the bench or play in the reserves. But you get some bold ones like Flo, 
for Logan, he's someone that's been linked with moves yeah. away from the club because he wants to play football. So for you, when is the right time to say, you know what, I want to leave. I need to move on with my career. Arsenal, you've been great for me, but I need to make decisions for myself. You know what, yeah, everyone's different. So it all depends on your positioning and who's ahead of you. For example, um, the striker that you just mentioned there, Belugan, he's good. I've seen him play. And, and I think it's the right decision for him to leave because the captain is a number nine. The other number nine's top goal scorer this season, Lacazette. <laughs> and Eddie Nketiah is a couple of years older than him, who's also done well. You know what I mean? So if you, as you said, if you want to keep waiting for your chance, before you know you're 23 and teams, managers will start picking players that have got more experience in the championship, that have got 100 caps to their, um, 100 appearances, sorry, um, to their name. Do you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of the guy from Arsenal who's played for England under-19s. And that was kind of what happened to me as well. You yeah, know what I mean? I've played yeah. with some top, top players. You know, I've played with some top players at youth level and I thought, ah, he's going to go, he's going to go the whole way. If it's not Arsenal, it's going to be Everton. It's not, if it's not Everton, it's going to be West Ham, you know? Mm-hmm. But before you know it, they got to 23, 24, three appearances, league appearances at any level. No one's going to trust you. <laughs> no yeah, but another, trust- another way to look at it though, like we've seen Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood. Sometimes you can get lucky by just mm. sitting around and waiting for your chance. There's one or two bad injuries, then all of a sudden you're thrown into the spotlight. Yeah, I, I actually 100% agree with you. But if you look at the percentage, how many players have done that? Yeah. Rashford, Rashford's one. I think Rashford's one of the best strikers in the world now. Mm. I love him to bits, played against him. Good player. But Rashford had four injuries when he played that um, Europa League game at the time. He, he only made the bench because there was four injuries, four injuries in one position. Yeah, it's rare. It's very And then he bagged the... He bagged the... We gave him a career, bro. We gave him a career, bro. I didn't want to mention that. I was waiting for that. No, but... But four injuries for one position, center forward. Do you know what I mean? Four injuries. How many times is that going to happen? It's not happening at Man City. It's not happening at Liverpool. It's not happening elsewhere. So, like, he took his chance and he's, as I said, one of the best in the world. But you've got to start thinking realistically. You don't want to get to 23, 22, 23 and got less than 10 appearances, you know? Mm, yeah, but Bennett, how important is luck in football? Because I was in my group chat the other day. Mm. And let me give the, you the example. Mason Mount, he broke through at Chelsea. Frank Lampard loves him. You know, it's worked with him at Derby. All of a sudden, Frank Lampard is sacked. Yeah. Thomas Tuchel comes in. And the first game... Mount is on the bench and Mount is probably mm. thinking, look, I need to prove myself again. So how important is being at the right place at the right time in football? It's everything. Look at goal scorers, right place, right time. <laughs> There's so many strikers. I thought this guy is dead, but he's always <laughs> at the right place at the right time and he scores. So I think making a career is a sort of the same sort of thing, right place at the right time. And I honestly believe, for example, if I was coming through Arsenal's system now, at the 18, I would have got a chance. You know, I'm talking about myself here. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was 18, you know, before my injuries or anything, and the current crop now, and the first team players now, I think I would have got a chance. The same way these lot would be getting a chance. You know, it was tough back then with, you know, Van Persie mm-hmm. scoring 30 goals here. <laughs> All these players were top, top players. You know, I remember training with some of these players and I always say, when they ask me about, oh, how was it training with the first team? Who was the best player? I always say Cesc Fabregas. 
because this guy, oh my days. There was one time in training, someone had the ball, they passed it to him in centre mid and he's acting like he's going to switch it and I was in between two centre-halves. I was in between both of them. But I was expecting him to switch it as well. And he just, out of nowhere, he just reversed it into me. And oh, said, like Thiago, like the Thiago passes. Yeah, one of them Thiago passes. <laughs> yeah. and he said, he just, he just started, turned. And I was clean for on goal. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's why these strikers bag 40 goals a season, you know? Mm. Because I didn't do no movement. I didn't ask for the ball. Because they always say the run comes before the pass. You've been taught that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 the yeah, run, yeah. Then yeah. the pass comes. Yeah. But he's so good. The pass came. No run came. And I was throwing I goal. Was throwing <laughs> you know what I mean? So I said, no, 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 no. Scary player. These guys here make strikers go- get 40 goals. These kind of midfielders, you know? So, like, mm. yeah. So, I just think about being at the right, the right place at the right time is key. But also... The main thing is taking that chance because you can be at the right place. You say, we all say this about Mount. Oh, yeah, Frank Lampard loved him. But my man's doing his thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's doing, he's yeah. like, yeah. everyone always says, oh, yeah, Mount this. Oh, he's not, he's not consistent. Uh, he's very consistent. consistent. He's not doing tricks like Grealish. He's not a dribbler like Madders because yeah. them boys are cold. But Mount's oh. doing his thing as well, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's playing yeah, at yeah, a big yeah. Chelsea football club and he's doing his thing. Mm. Yeah. You have to respect him, man. So, like, Lampard, okay, Lampard likes him, whatever, but. He's backing it up. You can't say anything, man. Mm. Facts, facts. Well said. Taking his chance. Yeah. Mm. So like, his chance. Go on, boy. I was gonna ask you, Bennett. Like, looking at things on a more holistic perspective, yeah. How do you see the fact that so you've you've obviously played at loads of different clubs? You said like you know cities off the back of hand, man, because you've you've travelled. You're well travelled. Yeah. So, like, what perspective do you look at your various loan spells with? Like, is it a great opportunity to play in different systems with different managers, different teammates? Um, and so uh, an opportunity to be really rounded? Or would you say it's like, it's been a bit disruptive to your your development and your and your progress and, and, you know, maybe staying at one club for a longer period of time would have helped you progress in a, in a different way how, how, what's your perspective on it that's a very good question you know and it's a bit of both you've basically answered it for me because there's times <laughs> when I say to myself now nah, I'm serious I was 17 when I went to Huddersfield yeah 17 and I had to live by myself Huddersfield okay be honest it's not the greatest place in the world mm. it's compared to London you know <laughs> and um I think to myself yeah growing up played with some top players at the time we went 24 games unbeaten lost in the playoff final in front of 70,000 and got man a match five times in a row, scored eight goals, 10 assists. Like you think, oh yeah, 17, to get this experience at League One is unbelievable. But then I look at my other loans and I think to myself, oh, I'm going there and because I don't want to play reserve football, but then it's a different system. I'm not really comfortable. The manager just took me because I'm the kid from Arsenal, but he doesn't really care about my career because he'd rather play his players that are there for the whole like two-year contracts, you know what I mean? So like, it's a bit of both. And I've had a lot of unsuccessful loans, not because I was so bad or not because they hated me, just for the fact they just knew, ah, he's going in, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's going in, mate. Or like, oh, he's just a young lad. He needs the experience. And he's just this or that, you know, it's just, he's not for me and stuff like that. So I sometimes wish that I didn't go on some of these loans. But at the same time, I don't have any regrets because I've grown up a lot, man. I've seen a lot of good things. I've seen a lot of bad things. And it's helped me assess people more off the field. 
I know different types of characters and I always say I'm very good at reading people now, you know, because I've just seen so many different players, so many different managers, like nothing, I've never seen anything different nowadays because I know how different type people are. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Oh, definitely. Um, I wanted to go back a bit. We spoke about Arsenal and about mm-hmm. the current crop of players. Obviously, we've got Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukaya Saka, Reese Nelson, Joe Willock. There's a whole host of players what do you make about this current crop of players that Arsenal are producing? They're good, man. You know what they're doing, yeah? They're playing with no fear. I think mm. my lot and the few years after were playing thinking, oh, you know what? I'm playing for big Arsenal. Let me play safe. But these lot, they're just, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care, you know? I see Saka and he's the main man now. He's my, he's one of my favourite players at Arsenal. Yeah. And I still obviously follow Arsenal. And I just think, yeah, no, you were saying before that, yeah, we need to do this after, after the game. The game. <laughs> yeah, after the game. After the game. <laughs> uh, I just think these kids are playing with no fear, man. They're just Benny. enjoying it and taking their chance when it comes. That's the difference. Benny, just to interject, interject, do you feel that that's maybe due to the new expectation at Arsenal? Whereas when you were breaking through, it was... Champions League football, world-class players littered all over the pitch, Wenger ball, balling out, putting teams to bed. Like, do you feel maybe now there's less pressure on the young players to come in and bang? Yeah, to be honest, because you're not going to see many Liverpool youth players coming in now. You're not going to see many Man City. All right, Phil Foden's done his thing, you know. Um, Curtis Jones has done his thing at Liverpool. But that's the same as the Jack Wilshers of this world, you know, Hector Bellerin. There's going to be a few players that always break mm. in. But I think now the expectations, as you said, is not like, oh, listen, we go, we got to go win the league. We have to win the league. Arsenal haven't won the league for many years now. So these players are coming in and they're showing, you know what? These boys ain't doing anything. I, I can be better than them or I'm as good as them. Mm. And they've come through the door, you know, and they've said, I'm here now. They've arrived and they've taken their chance, man. It's not like they're playing for a team that's bottom of the league. They're still playing for a top, top eight club, consistent. Do you know what I mean? So, like, they're still doing unbelievably well. And they've taken their chance and fair play to them. I just think they're playing with no fear. Interesting one. Do you know what, Benik? I I wanted to ask you um, a bit about uh, the international scene. Mm. (laughs) And and obviously, being an African man, um, you know, representing DR, DR Congo, you earlier on you were speaking about your mum. So I, I know that you're like you're a family guy and, and, and obviously family is very important to you. So I wanted to I wanted you to take us back to that period of time where you decided to uh play for, for Congo uh on an international uh scene after obviously playing in, in the youth levels for England. What what was the feeling like from your family, from your mum? Like what was it a very you know like we always laugh and joke about when you you've got results day for example and you're <laughs> so proud like oh my son's done this my son nice son so so was that like was it a similar kind of situation when 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 you decided to play for Congo like was 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 it a you very- know what they, they they never forced me to do anything you know <clears throat> obviously push me if I want to be pushed or if I'm good at something but I just. I have business plans. I've got foundation charities in Congo. And I just, it was simple as I thought to myself, if I want this to be big and help a lot of children in Congo, it'd be better if I played for them because it's not like, ah, the guy that is in Europe that thinks of Congo, little Congo, do you know what I mean? 
Mm. Whereas if I'm actually playing for them, it means more to the people because I love children, man. I've got a foundation now for orphans and um, I've always wanted to do them sort of things. Since I was the age of 12, I went to Congo. And um, this is how the story actually um, started. I went to Congo as a 12-year-old with my parents and my sister. My other two siblings weren't born yet. And as you do with 12-year-old, the kid that plays for Arsenal, you know, my cousins were there. We're playing, we're playing football. It got to about six o'clock. And in Africa, it gets, as you, some of you might know, it gets dark early. <laughs> so six o'clock, a 12-year-old, my mum's saying, Benny, Benny, come back in, yeah? So like, obviously, saying bye to the kids and that. I've gone back in, I said to mum, mum, like, how come the kids are still playing there? You're not going to let me play. Like, why are they not going home? And my mum replied to me saying, that is their home. Like, they're just kids that play on the street, sleep underneath the trees, nothing. These mm. times we're playing, you know, they've got their clothes on and like they're smiling, they're hugging me, we're playing football, massive smile on their face. But when it's time for me to go home to have my dinner, get a shower, get in bed in a comfortable um, hotel where we were staying, they're just there. And I said to myself, mum, you know what? When I turn pro, all these orphans, I want to help them out mm. and we're going to open up orphanage. And my mum's response was, yeah, yeah, well done. God will bless you. She just thought, ah, he's only 12. He's just saying that. But as soon as I turned 17, the first thing I said to my mum, it wasn't even, oh, let's buy a house or a car. It was, mum, how do we get this orphanage going? Dad, how do we get this orphanage going? So that's always been in my head, you know? So with all that, with all that in my head, I thought to myself, you know what? When I get to the time to play for the national team, if they want me to be serious and they want to take what I'm doing with Congo more seriously, then it's, it's better for me to play for the national team so they can see I'm actually one of them. You know, I'm not someone from afar trying to do something because he thinks he's better than the people of Congo. Oh, that's so Simple dope, as that, bro. really. That's, dope, man. that's dope. Very dope, bro. Very, very that's dope. dope. Big up yourself, man. Thank you. Yeah, you can see you're a man of charity because I remember even at Bournemouth, you got an award for community work. So how important is it for you to like give back and not forget your roots? Because I think the current crop of players are more socially mm. aware than ever. We see players like Jordan Henderson, Troy Deeney forming these committees. Marcus yeah. Rashford, how can I forget, of making change? So how important is it to you that football players don't just play football, they actually make an impact by using their platforms? Because a lot of footballers come from nothing. You know, it's a working man's sport. You know, we've been following it since the ages of four, five I grew up in Dagenham and I lived on top of a chicken shop. Imagine. Wow. I lived on top of a chicken shop from the age of five till 15. So for 10 years, we grew up on top of a chicken shop and we come from nothing. I'm not saying we were broke, broke. You know, my mum was a a nurse and my dad was a paint, a paint and decorator. So they, they were working, you know, they still put food on the, um, on the plate for us and stuff like that. But really and truly, didn't have footballers money. So to come from nothing and to have something a lot of these people a lot of these younger players not even just players younger people in general can relate to us because we've come from that sort of place mm. so why can't we help them to do whatever they want to do some people might not make it in football some people might not even want to do football but they want to be successful so why can't we help them try and be successful as well you know what i mean no definitely so, and also being a Christian, you know, being humble, mm. trying to be humble, trying to live like 
the best sort of person you can be and stuff like that. That's a that's a given. That's sort that's yeah. automatic. You know, whether I was a superstar or if I was in the street with them Congo boys, I still want to be like that. You know, I'm trying to be humble. But <clears throat> on the bigger picture for footballers, it's not just about oh I've got this for my family. It's about the environment we come from, man. Mm. You know, because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done. You know, we we don't take our money to the grave. We don't take our Premier League titles to the grave when it's all said and done. Like the world continues without us. The world continues. So like really and truly, it's about trying to get these people, get the world, you know, in a, in a better place, really and truly, because we're nothing really. Benick, I'm actually changing my question. I was originally going to ask you about Bournemouth and Jack Wilshere, but I'm going to hold on to that because I actually want to ask you something because you made me have a light bulb moment. So, but obviously you give back to your community. Mm-hmm. But as a footballer, do you feel under pressure to give back due to, you know, the media saying footballers don't do enough or, you know, we've got people in the government saying that footballers don't give back enough. So as a baller, do you feel... I'm kind of giving back with my heart, but also I give back because I'm under mad pressure. Not really, to be honest. We're not really under that much pressure, you know. Mm. All these players that are doing stuff, you know, as you said, Troy Deeney, um, Hendo, Rashford, they're doing it off what they want to do because there's a lot of players you don't hear anything about. They might even be giving more. Wilfred Saha, for example, who gives... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't really talk... Wolf mm. doesn't really talk about what he's doing, but he's doing a lot, you know. Yeah, I know that person. He's doing a lot. There's some other players that we might not even think they're doing anything at all, but they're doing even more than that. In the same way, there might be players who look like they're doing a lot, but they're not doing anything as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's no, there's no real pressure, to be honest. No one actually... You know what? You probably get more pressure from your family asking for money than from the media. Do you know what I mean? So, like... So, um, I don't think there's that much pressure, to be honest. Like, as we said before about... It's just words. People might say, our oh, footballers don't do this, but... Footballers could be thinking, I'm not going to be the first one to do it. Why should I give money to that school? Someone else went to that school as well. Why should it be me? So there is selfish footballers. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. But there's also a lot of caring footballers that might not want the media attention. They live a private... Look, I'm quite private. Like, Yeah, you don't do sport- much interviews. Yeah, you don't do much interviews. I don't do much bro. interviews. <laughs> no, nah, bro. I'm, I'm quite... myself, bro. You should have any privilege, you know? <laughs> I don't do much interviews apart from after games, man. Just... I used to think what, I want to be why some do you, sort of Why is that the case? Is that because you felt maybe the media wanted to twist your words or they could maybe have an agenda against you or are you just private? Because when I see pictures or I see dressing room banner, you're always in the thick of it. You seem like an outgoing person. But uh, yeah, as bro, you yeah. mentioned... Yeah, good talker. Yeah, yeah, yeah good talker. Yeah, bro. I'm on bands, yeah. I'm on bands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so why don't you talk to the media? I'm a joke, man. Yeah, so, so why yeah. don't you do yeah, so why don't you do like the media sort of thing? Like you said, man, I, I don't think it's authentic, you know. Sometimes you go on there and you just give them like answers that they want you to say and stuff like that. You know, I'd rather do stuff like this, man. This is real, you know. Like mm. I'm thinking to myself, like, um, what else you got for me? Do you know what I mean? This is my sort seriously. No. And I I feel privileged to come on to come on the show, man, and talk to you guys because I don't really talk much and people don't know much about my story, but obviously the, the main story is probably about my daughter, um, my injuries and stuff like that. But like even coming to Turkey, you know what I mean? Like, no one even knows how I'm getting on here apart from my family and friends who message me every day because I'm quite private, man. I'm, You know what? I think it's just, 
I've never been too flashy. Got nice things, you know. I like obviously a nice watch or whatever, good car and stuff like that. But I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not that flashy. I'm not. I don't really care that people are seeing what I'm doing or not. You know what I mean? That's that's the reason. I don't refuse them. I just don't request them. I know some players ask their agents, "Oh yeah, can you get me this? Can you get me on this?" But I'd rather be at home just vibing with my boys or my family, man. To be honest. Mm. Playing FIFA in that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's dope, bro, man. I really respect that. Um, yeah, I think Dot wanted to ask about Jack Wilshire. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so obviously he's back playing football. Is that a club that you've played for? Obviously under Jason Tindall. I watched the game yesterday. He came on and he kind of changed the game. He played really well. So how good of a player is Jack Wilshire? Because we've seen him, you know, hampered by injuries. Yeah. You know what, yeah? I'm not saying this because he's one of my best friends, but... Jack's so good, he's now underrated. Everyone thinks mm. he's overrated, you know, like players mm. say, oh, he's overrated, he's had injuries. But I start, I'm starting to think he's underrated now because this guy can do anything and everything. Ev, he could have played at the highest level. I'm talking Barcelona, Real Madrid, and I know people are going to say I'm being biased, but I'm not. This guy is cold. No, he is. He you know what's funny? Cold. I used to play at Crystal Palace, like under yeah. 15, 16 level. And we yeah. had some tournament in Coventry. And I will never Night forget tournament. the day. Night tournament. <laughs> Crystal Palace quarterfinals. We lost, I think it was 2-0 or 2-1. Who scored both of the goals? Jack Wilshire. Before the game, the manager was like, listen, he said the player's name. I want you to keep a, keep a leash on Jack. He's going to be the main trouble. That game, he just ripped us to pieces. From Finish early, us. bro. Finish we used us. to call him. We used to call him Riggler from the age of ten, because he used to get the ball and just run with it. We used to go on tournaments. I remember it was in one was at one tournament in Belgium, a tournament called Beerbeck, and was playing against Anderlet. Lukaku was playing. He was already six foot three, but yeah, he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> he was playing, and I remember Jack. I was I was obviously playing up front, and Jack would just get the ball from the keeper. And just turn and just start running. And we used to have bear fights, me and him, because he was so greedy. Like, you wouldn't think it, because uh, you know he's not obviously a centre mid, but back then, mm. you're young, aren't you? You're playing at your own age. And it was too easy. So he'll just go around everyone. And I'd be going, Jack, Jack, no pass. <laughs> no pass. <laughs> but he was so cold, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And the years kept going, just kept getting better and better. Started to play up, started to play up again. Five years up, before you know it, he's training with the first team. Best player, like, nah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it, it wasn't something that just happened overnight. He's always been that good, to be honest. And people say to me, but, because obviously I'm a close friend of his, mm. people say to me, how come he's always injured? He's not living right. Because they've seen him with cigarettes a couple mm. of times. This guy has got a gym in his house. He lives correct. No juke, water. He's got his missus. eats proper food, like, healthy. He cooks himself. He doesn't do anything. Obviously, he can drink here and there like the normal man, but everyone thinks of him as being some sort of party boy. I ain't seen it. I ain't been to a club with him for like three years, <laughs> to be honest with you. So he's no party boy. He doesn't even enjoy it anymore. No alcohol, really. No cigarettes. That was just on a holiday two times. You know what I mean? And obviously, don't get me wrong. He's done his mistakes in the past. And, you know, you grow up, you know, it's, it's hard when you're England's golden boy. Which golden boy hasn't messed up? You know, when, when the media put pressure on you like that. So um, I just think that he's been so unlucky with the injuries. It's probably the way he plays and the way his body yeah. is. He's so bow-legged. You see his kids yeah, now, yeah. 
His kids are bow-legged as well. <laughs> he's got a one-year-old. Yeah. He's starting to kick the ball, and he's bow-legged. And you're thinking, oh, this guy is going to be a player. <laughs> you know, so like, it's the way he plays, I think, and just inviting challenges, the way his yeah. body is. Um, mm. Previous injuries, you know, he always carrying a little bit of something because, for example... Harry Kane got injured with his ankles. Yeah, yeah. But he was already having problems Ankle with ankles the last yeah. couple of years. So mm. he lives correct, Harry. I know him really well. So it doesn't mean, oh, he's not living right because his ankles are not. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm. Yeah. That's not how it works. you know. And sometimes people don't see that, but Jack is dedicated. And I'm just pleased for him to be back at Bournemouth, going back to your question, because he's had his offers. Um, he could have went to other countries for more money, but he's hungry, man. He feels like he's got unfinished business there. We spoke about it a few weeks before he went there. And uh, Bournemouth got a great chance of going back up. Yeah. So it's a win-win. He's six months. If he doesn't like it, he's not tied down. If he does like mm. it, they go up. You can sign and say, look what, I've, I've, look what I've done for you guys. You know what I mean? So it's just about getting his name out there and getting games under his belt again. Because the problem is people think he's not fit. Yeah. That's the only reason mm. why. It's, really it's, it's the stigma that people it's carry the their head. Yeah. So if he plays 20 games, does well, gets a few assists, few goals like he did the other day, I'm telling you now, the, the likes of the Everton's and that will be calling him. Maybe even Aston Villa, because they're doing well now and they like them kind of players, you know? So yeah. I'm sure he'll be back in the Premier 100%. 100%. You know what, Bennett? We can't we can't invite you to come on, on the pod without asking you the, the customary questions. Of course, we've been speaking about things on the field and, and, and your career. But... I've got to ask you the, 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 the 1A and 1B question. And that is, at the moment, what is the most played song on your playlist? When you're, when, what's your go-to tune? <laughs> what are you feeling more than anything? That's part A. And part B is, if you're, stepping out, if you're stepping out to a function now, Right, you you've got a, a child minor to look after the little one. You're on a date night with a, you're on a, on a date night with the missus, yeah. What is your choice of crep? What's your trainers? What are you stepping out? Yeah. I know you're a man, you're a man of dripping it. You're a man of drip. We see the Instagram. We see we see the filter. We see all of that. So you gotta let us know. Do you know what? Yeah, I like plain trainers. Plain. Yeah, and. I bought some, I feel embarrassed saying this because I've never actually ever wore these trainers before, but I've bought Louis Vuitton trainers, but they're plain. Yeah. What colour are they? I bet they're white. All white. Yeah. All white. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's dead. That's dead. So I'll give you another one. I'll probably say, you know what else I like? I like the, mm, the, the Dior trainers. I like the Chris. B- the, B-22s. The Chris yeah. Yeah, 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 they're nice, they're, they're nice. They're, they're nice. Clean, they're clean. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. <laughs> the bus down watch. <laughs> 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 and song-wise, song-wise, yeah. uh, what, oh, what do I like? Uh, do you know what? I like um, Lil Key's new album, bro. I'm on this American Flex at the moment, okay. man. Yeah. They're, they're producing some Yeah, guys, but my missus hates them. My missus is like, oh, man, why are you listening to these songs? You're 28 now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still listening to these songs and that. Come on, man. You have to enjoy your life. So honestly, what about UK? UK artists? Like, who from the UK is on your playlist that you're digging? Eddie One, obviously. Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I like everyone, bro. You know what? You know what I really like as well? Mm-hmm. Fredo, 
You wouldn't think I like uh, him. Yeah, he, yeah. he just released a new, a new, a new project, isn't it? That's yeah, because he, he raps about the drip. He raps about the drip. But you're he loves the drip. Don't say you like drip. the plane team. Oh. I'm acting like I'm still 22, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel it, man. That's My hair's good in that, but yeah. come on, man. Starting to get... <laughs> oh. Nah, but yeah. Yeah, so Benick, I wanted to ask you, like, what does the future hold? You're 27, you're alone at Trabs and Spore. Obviously, you're due to go back to Stoke. Like, potentially, what do you want your future to hold? Do you think you've still got it in you to have another crack at the Premier League? 100%. 100%. Um, you know what, yeah? Coming out here was a great move for me um, because, you know, with everything that happened, I wanted to get away from England for a year and I thought this was the perfect time for me to come out here. And Eddie Newton was the manager, wasn't he? The one who yeah, brought me yeah, here. So yeah, yeah. Chelsea, he knew me yeah, from yeah. he yeah. knew me from playing against some under 13. He used to be Chelsea under 13 coaches. So he's known me for like over 10 years. And he told me to come out here and started the season. I was playing, uh done well. I think I had three in six or something like that. And then I had next spasm where he got he got sacked. Mm. And then a new manager came in and I played two games under him and then got next spasm, which kept me out for three weeks or three games, sorry. And then the other centre forward ended up scoring two. Mm. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, when a team's winning, they can't really change the team. And then we've been winning ever since then. <laughs> so there's been like eight games where we've won seven or something like that. And the manager just hasn't changed the team. So I've been coming on here and there, but listen, there's 20 games to go and... We're only at the halfway point and I think I'll get back in the team and get a few more goals. But the plan is definitely to return back to England and give it another crack in the Premier you know, because I don't think I got a fair chance, you know. Uh, we didn't really speak about my Wolves. Um, mm. Everyone always asks me about the Wolves one, about how, how can we sign for Wolves and then sign for Stoke? Few, yeah, that like was a weird one, innit? Because like, they made the, the Premier one. Yeah. Asked me one. yeah, so what happened? Like, we've got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> we've got time for that. <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever told anyone because um, I don't do interviews, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so everyone thought at the time, if I played, because I was I was on loan to Wolves from Bournemouth. So I went in January, do you remember? On deadline yeah, day. Yeah. The second time I was at Wolves. And um, everyone thought that I had to play a certain amount of games for Wolves to sign me or something like that. But it wasn't like that. Um, obviously, they were top of the league, so it was hard to break into the team. But I started seven and got six goals, I think. So I done I done well. And then when the season finished, I got a phone call saying, "Oh, Wolves want to sign you." Obviously, they're in the prem. I love Wolves, you know. I was enjoyed my time there the first time, second time as well with Nuno. So I signed the contract, and then a couple of days later, I'm getting a message saying, "Oh, you know what? I think Nuno wants um, to sell you." And I was like, "What?" I just signed, like, you got the right player or not? <laughs> What's going on? He said, oh, now nah, he's bringing in Jimenez. Okay. I'm thinking, who? At the time, Jimenez wasn't really a bad yeah, boy. Like, yeah, he's yeah, 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 So yeah, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. And, he and he said, he's saying that you're not going to play next season. And I said, but what if I'm training really well? I'm bang on it properly, training well, one of the best players in training. I still won't play. He said, no, you're not going to play at all. You're going to be with the 23s. I was thinking, right, this Nuno guy is raw. Like, where am I going to? <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, yeah, I left Bournemouth because I wasn't playing week in, week out. Obviously, Callum Wilson and Joshua King were playing at the time. And I'd gone from being at what was the first time as the main man, you know, with Dico Sacco doing my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sitting on the bench and I, it was like foreign to me. Do you know what I mean? So going to Wolves, even though I wanted to be at Wolves and 
were in the Premier League. I didn't want to not play because he said Jimenez would be playing every game. He said that to me. You know, and at that time I was thinking, this guy that's coming in, he's not really done anything yet because obviously he's a joke now. He's a big player. Yeah. But at the time he didn't do anything. So I was thinking, nah, no way am I going to sit on the bench. And he, he said you won't even be on the bench sometimes, stuff like that. So was this face to face? Was this face to face to overtake? And this is what the, this is what the chief executive was telling me at the time. So, but is this Benny? Is this football politics? Because this is what we spoke about with Yang. Politics. When a club wants to get you out, they'll they'll deal with you basically. They'll deal with you. Now I say to myself, you know what? Maybe she just firmed it. Maybe they were just trying to lie to me. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. at the time, I'm thinking to myself, nah, 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 nah. This is, this is my... Yeah. I was crying because I was coming on for five, ten minutes at Bournemouth. Imagine not even coming on at all. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, at the time, um, Gary Warwick was the manager of Stoke. He just went into yeah. Stoke. And I'll be, I'll be real with you guys. Wolves and Stoke are 35 minutes apart. And I lived in a place called Stafford, which was in between both of them. Yeah. So, Wolves is here, Stafford is here, and Stoke's there. So Stoke have come in for me. They just come down from the Premier League, right? They're telling me they're buying Tomins, James McLean. They're keeping hold of Joe Allen. They're keeping hold of Jack Button. Ryan Shawcross is there, you know, like Badu and Dai the centre mid. I'm thinking to myself, we're gonna win the league by like, but in December, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. Go there, score twenty goals, go back with Stoke, and to be honest with you, Stoke have offered me more money than Wolves have. So. It's ticking all the boxes. More money. Don't have to move house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A team that's going to be challenging, like, as a striker, you want to score 20 goals. You don't want to be going to a team where it's going to be like, ah. Yeah. So the pictures are there. I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'll do it now. So I said, no brainer. Guy wrote, met my dad, met myself. Everything was smooth. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's why. So I could have stayed at Wolves, but I thought to myself, no, nah, let me go play, enjoy my football for a year or more money and don't have to move house. It sounds like a no brainer, really. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, win, win win. That's a win win. So then I went to Stoke and we were dead. <laughs> we were bad, man. We were bad. I remember that. I think the first game of the season was ah, against Leeds remember, or something. Yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, and I think dead. Jack Butler made a mistake. We were dead. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was like disjointed. You had like a lot of names, didn't, but exactly. It didn't really exactly. Click. It was like, yeah. we, we were like that. We were like that for saying that we weren't even, I think we were like seventh or something, eighth, ninth. And then I think we got to about 10th and then Gary Rory got sacked in January. But up to then, I think I scored six goals. I started, yeah, I started, started I, I did start well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Nathan yeah. Jones came and he had his own ideas, really. You know, and then mm. uh, just didn't work. You know, I was found myself playing five, 10 minutes here and there. And to be honest, when the season finished, they shipped me out to Bristol, but I wanted to leave. But I was the top goal scorer, you know? And mm. I got a lot of stick from the fans. Like, oh yeah, we bought this guy, he's useless, but... I was top goal scorer. <laughs> you know, you're saying all this stuff, but I finished the season as top goal scorer and you all want me out. You know, yeah, but yeah, that's what it is, man. Football's like that. And yeah. listen, there's there's been I've got so many stories that is it's definitely for another day, but like yeah. um yeah, we definitely got to get you on uh, again, yeah, man. Like, when you get that move to the prem, when you get that move, when you get that move to the prem, I'll be, I'll be, get that interview. It's gotta be done. Gotta be done, man. Honestly, Bennett, thank you, bro. That's love, bro. Love, 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 love. It's been, it's been a pleasure, man. The times just, just run away. I know, man. It was time flies. What? It's twelve. It's twelve o'clock in Turkey now. Yeah, but I'm not up till but twelve, yeah. man. These guys do anything. <laughs> we do whatever we want here. Yeah, because I was wondering. I was wondering, it's like 12 a.m. in Turkey. You got a game tomorrow and you're up. Nah, lying, man. We got a lion. Yeah. 
Okay. Wow. Don't have to be downstairs till one o'clock. It is a what? Okay. okay. Decent, oh. man. Decent. Nah. Well, Listen, it gets about one o'clock sometimes. It gets to one o'clock sometimes. And I'm like, sometimes I'm sleeping early and I go to the toilet or something and I hear next door, my teammates play music like having a rave or something. There's like three of them. I think it's crazy. Oh, these, that's the difference between English cultures and yeah, Turkish cultures. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with Congo national team as well. Yeah. I remember playing a game for Congo as well. And next door, loud music, Congolese music, 4 a.m. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. No. But that's the culture, man. They're different. They're different with it. Exactly that, man. You learn. Exactly that. Honestly, Bennett, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've covered so much in 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 this short space of time, and it's been it's been good fun. I know we've all enjoyed it, and yeah, I me too, man. Everyone, of course, appreciate that, man. And obviously, everyone that's tuning in is gonna enjoy it as well, um, most definitely. But we're gonna leave it there. We're gonna call it a day. Just a reminder for all of you that haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube, it's the Beautiful Game Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, just take a second. Look down below right now, like the video, subscribe, make sure you stay up to up to speed with all of our content, all of our interviews and so on and so forth. On uh, Twitter, it's at podcast underscore TBG. On Instagram, it's at pod underscore TBG. I think that's pretty much it, Dot. Yep. Have I covered it all? Sweet. Yep. Until next time, guys. <laughs> Happy birthday, man. Happy birthday, <laughs> boys. Man. <laughs> Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.